Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome. It is Thursday midday, and it's Haber Minimilkoff. I'm Guy. That's John. We're brought to you by our friends at Tito's Handmade Vodka. Oh, I got it. Tell us about Tito's, John. You know, you know who I'm giving my Tito's yes, to. Yes, I do. Go ahead. I, I, I lived in the city for a couple of years, and and it just it's an elite sports city. I, I think it gets a bad rap because they hit Santa with a snowball. Uh, they, they get angry and edgy, but when things no one supports their teams when they're decent or good, like Philly, and I, I think it actually parallels a lot of Northern California, where the 49ers are king. When, when the 49ers are sweet, Montana, Walsh, Young, Seifert, Harbaugh, this iteration of Kyle, like to me, they're the champs. They're just, they're, it's the NFL, right? And the Eagles, same thing in Philly. Sneaky great for, the, you know, the West Coast, you know, the Dodgers and Giants, when they're rolling, are a really big deal. The same thing with the Phillies. And that crowd in Philadelphia last oh. night, haven't been able to watch was movements watch a lot uh, of clips that that grand slam that place it i was texting someone this a while back again tito's to bryce harper and the boys reese hoskins jesuit sacramento 916 torn acl but uh he's on the phillies that pl- that win for the giants 2010 nlcs i i just i'd only lived in philly a couple months at the time i think is their greatest victory of the three World Series series. Like that that's when you look back, you're like, wait, Roy Halliday, all those guys in their prime, they had just won a championship. They on paper were better than the Giants. They had home field. And then Cody Ross is hitting bombs into the fucking ether into the Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. That is uh incredible. That that place though rocks. That place rocks. Rocks. I mean absolutely awesome. Um, could they win it all? The, they got the, close last year. Yeah, I mean, the, when the, when uh, what's his name Stott steps up and it's the you know the the thing that went viral because some guy recorded it in five point one Dolby without the announcers, and the guy steps up. What makes it awesome is the crowd singing his song. First pitch, bye bye, place goes bananas. So yeah, I didn't actually not what I thought. I I had this ready because I thought your Tito's was gonna go to Tito himself. Tito's handmade. Vodka, Middlecoff, I saw your tweet yesterday. Been a day. Tito's always there for you at the end, though. Moving day for uh, for Johnny. And uh, look at that. I see box. I see box. I see trash bags. I see welcome to the neighborhood flowers. And I see two bottles of Tito's. <laughs> and a well, cup I, filled I, the top. You know, you clean out. We had multiple fridges, right? We had an apartment where we were living. We also had an office. So I had like seven bottles of Tito's, half. So I did a lot of like, I brought them all and I poured them all into ultimately like three. So they're, I mean, one's empty, one's empty. And cause, not because I drank it, but uh, yeah, Tito's for me. Had a few too many. Didn't go to bed till late. Woke up this morning, you know, classic move, move. I, I hadn't uh, capped off the mouthwash 
quite perfectly, and it was all over the floor. So yeah. also shattered a, a piece of outdoor furniture glass. So it's, we're off to a uh, roaring start here. <laughs> Tito's, baby. Tito's Handmade Vodka. For all your celebrations uh, and for the uh, silver linings, uh, even if you don't see them yet, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas, 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. Big week, big weekend for Tito, right? University of Texas grad, guys like him, guys like McConaughey, 5-0. and They beat Oklahoma, where they beat them last year. Biggest win in the history of the rivalry, 49-0. I mean, I think Texas is, I don't want to say a shoe-in. Sark's the coach. At any moment, something weird could happen. But it feels like they're headed toward the playoffs, doesn't it? I talked to somebody uh, a couple weeks ago who spends one week a month embedded with uh, Texas football, like deep inside, like in the office, going office to office. He said the place is fantastic. He said, like, the vibe is right. The people are right. He's a big Sark guy. Uh, I, I mean, Texas being back, part of it makes it great. It's not just that they were big, John. It's that they were such a, a joke. Like, everyone laughed at him for so long. And then they get Arch Manning, which really like put it like was like, OK, maybe Sark can like, OK, but then they don't even need Arch. The other guy, Quinn Ewers, who was the first guy they got. Remember, he like bounced back from Ohio State. Like, is he really going to be first, first NIL guy? First NIL. Speaking of NIL, did you see what Utah did? No. Utah local car dealership, all 85 scholarship players get a Dodge Ram 1500 uh, crew cab. It's a lot of trucks. A lot of trucks. Every truck is wrapped with like a sponsor. So some like uh, video on demand company. So you get trucks, but they're but they're driving billboards. Genius. <laughs> that is incredible. I did not see that. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, you're talking about Texas. Yeah, we get uh you know, I'll say uh, this. I'll say this about Sark. I've always questioned him, and it's just based off his win loss record, and he has a lot of bad losses at Washington. I mean, you look back when Pete got there, people forget he inherited a team full of NFL guys everywhere, right? It's like he inherited because Sark was recruiting so well, and uh, this Texas team. I had a buddy who called me on his drive, like you know, he was a scout in the in during training camp, and was like, "Bro, I just left Texas." I think they got three top 20 players in this draft, and they are a roster wow. also just random guys loaded everywhere. Remember, wow. Texas was when NIL started. They offered offensive linemen guaranteed like 50 grand. They, they paid every offensive lineman. So like they, their budget is, is unlimited. Uh, John, you know what it tells me? Maybe, just maybe. Why are you laughing? I don't know what you're you know going to say. You feel like this is a setup for a Raiders joke? Well, you're right. <laughs> maybe, just maybe, Al Davis was on the right USC assistant when he tried to hire Sark instead of Lane. This piece of news. Uh, the full approval of Tom Brady becoming a minority owner for the Raiders is now in doubt. The fine print here is the relevant part. The reason Tom Brady's approval for minority ownership stake in the Raiders has been delayed is concerns over Mark Davis selling between 5 and 10% of the team at a reduced rate of 70%. Now, I did a little math here, John. I got to turn the calculator sideways on this, but stick with me. Tell me if I'm wrong. This is not my forte. Let's just say a team is worth $5 billion, okay? So if he's buying 5%, that would cost him if you just paid 5% of $5 billion for 5% of the team, $250 million. 
Heavy chunk of change. But if it was a 70% discount, uh, it's going to take me a minute, and someone later is going to probably tell me I'm wrong, I'm wrong about this math. Uh, times 0.7. Well, fuck, this calculator doesn't do that for me. I can do it. 250 million. 70% of 250 million. Well, actually, yeah. 30%, right? 30% is what you want, right? Yeah. So 250 million times yep. 0.3. Here we go. Starting the show with math today. 75 million? 75 million. That's heavily discounted, right? That sounds right. 75. Yep. And, and even Tom, think, think, about, think, think, about, think about Brady. Correct. It, it'd be, he's That's rich enough where he, where he could probably swing, you know, in some of his investments or whatever, 75 million cash, which I, even for him is a lot of money, right? He's not like some, he doesn't own, he didn't start Amazon or whatever. He, he actually was underpaid most of his NFL career, three, $400 million, but that's, that's pre-tax. So when you look up his career earnings, 350, he only took probably 150 of that home. Now, he made hundreds of millions off, but 75 million, that's post-tax cash. He could probably swing that. I would be hard-pressed to see him be able to just himself cut a $250 million check, right? And if you're the NFL, like, listen, no fucking way. Because the other owners, this, this I don't think this has anything to do with Thomas Brady, right? This just has to do with the- 100%. Standard of the league. Hey guys, we don't. The reason we're bypassing everybody. No, you see how much everyone else is on. Do you know who would Black be pissed? Friday NFL ownership. No, thank you. Do you know who would be really fucking mad? The recent guys that just cut checks. Right. The Waltons and Tepper. Like, hey, hey, wait. Uh, the Waltons were like, uh, we just paid four five four point five cash. Tepper's like, I just paid two five in Carolina cash. Sold eight hundred million of Apple stock, and this guy's getting. 5% for this? Fuck that. I had someone in the in the condo complex where I used to live in Walnut Creek. You know, I, I might have set a record on my way out. Someone else put their condo on the market just a couple weeks ago. And this one of the ladies that lives asked me how much I sold it for and said she was trying to convince one of her friends who's putting it on the market for like $50,000 less. And she just wants to like part of it. She just needs the money, wants to get rid of it. Doesn't want to hassle over, you know, obviously interest rates are high. Doesn't want to deal with it. Knows that she can just flip it. And there are a couple of people like, do not do that. Right. Right. It's bad for it, me. It impacts Obviously. me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then what happens to the next purchase? Like no mine's irrelevant. It's based on that. Well, this right. is the new market price. So honestly, I, the, I, the condo complex, crazy idea, John, if she's going to discount at 50,000, God, I don't know. They should ban they should give they should give the incoming buyer fifty thousand somehow, right? Like don't like charge them full price. The rest of us will each contribute five hundred bucks. There's enough of us, uh, you know, whatever a thousand bucks. It's right? like the Raiders. Not enough. Not enough unity in the you area. So, uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's not happening. All right, John. Let's start with a comment that hits on um, a uh, um, something that we've uh, talked about that we're going to talk about anyway. Here it is from Jay. Legacy game. For Purdy this week, if he beats Dallas again, he's winning he's the MVP. Player. Now, I don't think he's going to win the MVP this year, but I do think there is, of course, something to. If you think the Brock Purdy train is driving fast right now, what happens if he beats the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football? Well, a huge part of this guy's story 
Now, in fairness to the legacy game, it's funny because I think their initial reaction is like that's just classic, like Stephen A. Smith, Chris Mad Dog Russo, like old, older, just hot takey. I would say big picture. There are moments in people's career that you look back on after they become a really, really good player, right? Especially, I think sometimes when a guy's drafted high and it's clear he's kind of snowballing down the hill toward stardom, like a Mahomes or Josh Allen, it's like just an avalanche of building. Like, I bet if you look back to Mahomes' I mean, it's not his rookie year, but his first year starting. I remember his first game against Chargers. He threw like five touchdowns. It was just like, Jesus Christ, they got something here. Like this, this is on steroids. And it just took off like a rocket ship. I do think sometimes when you're like a random later round pick, moments are bigger to get your respect. Because at the end of the day, like Mahomes or Josh Allen, these are first round picks. Even Lamar, by the time he was second year, like, yeah, he fell in the draft to pick 32. He, he didn't go pick 150, right? There, there is a level. You saw this forever with Cousins uh, and Dak. I'd even go back. I think the guy that really had to battle it the most, and the stories on him just will not go away, was Russell. And he was a third-round pick, but it was like, what's he really doing? And then he just had moments early on in his career for a really good team. I, I If I could interrupt you for a second there, to me, it's it, you just made me think as you were talking. I don't know if you saw this tweet Sando had the other day, um, but it was basically... Uh, elite quarterbacks and how quickly they reached the Super Bowl. And he put together a graphic. For those of you watching this on YouTube, like and subscribe. For those of you listening to the podcast, great to have you listening. Um, five stars on Apple Podcasts. But, and he put together a graphic of how soon elite quarterbacks win Super Bowls. And my thought, like Mahomes year three, uh, Bledsoe, or I guess to the Super Bowl, Bledsoe year three, Jim Kelly year three, Namath year four, McNabb year six, Aikman year four. How, um, how do you pick these players? Uh, you know, Br- Brady's uh, Brady's not on here. Uh, Russell Wilson's not on here. But um, I, part Rogers. of it for me, Rogers. Part of it, honestly, when I saw this graphic, was I think there's a chance some of it works actually in the reverse order, right? That like going to the Super Bowl as a young player means you're probably on a good team, means you probably play for a good coach, and that that experience can give you something that you can build on. It gives you time to develop. It gives you runway. People give you a chance. Um, not all the time, not 100% of the time. But, like, I would say that to me is what becomes, like, for Brock, if Brock has a big game against Dallas and they win the game, great. My guess is that Kyle Shanahan won't sit in the press conference after the game and say, Brock just proved something to me I didn't know about him. Right. He'd be like, yeah, that's Ayuk's not going to be like, oh, my God, I didn't know he had that in him. No, I think they'll say, yeah, that's that's who he is. Now, over time, you want a soup, you want a Super Bowl this year. Now it gives you the leeway, the runway that the it it's such a high pressure position. And in some ways it adds pressure, but in some ways it takes a little off. It just gives you time. And it, and, and it is a reflection of the team you're on with great players and a great coach. So, um yeah, I don't think he proves anything like in any legacy type way, obviously, on Sunday. And we're not even really that's not what we're talking about. But um, I do think he can. I think part of the question with him right now is toe to toe against Patrick Mahomes. Can he do enough to win the game? Right. And I think that's part of what playing in these types in prime time. There is so much hype on him. There's so much pressure on him. I'm sure he ignores it to a degree, 
but it's hard to hide from the fact that he's Brock Purdy right now. And that's what's on his shoulders when he takes the field Sunday night. And that's I a think lot. if you yeah, I think if you just look at this franchise and the players, you know, two guys that went really quick, you know, it's kind of crazy that these two players, I mean, Kaepernick and Montana. Because by the time Young went 94, the dude had been in the league for a decade, right? He was on the Bucks forever before he even got to the Niners. Uh, so by the time he became a full-time starting quarterback and Joe was gone, and I know he played in some of the years like uh, 88 and 89 at different points when if, you know Joe got hurt or whatever, like he came into the game. It's not like he would never play, but when he was a full-time starter, Montana was drafted in 79 and they won the Super Bowl in 81. And by then, obviously, their team was good. But I, I would say one thing is a good example for him. Now, it's easy to look back. He goes on to just kind of own the 80s. But in 81, the most iconic moment for Joe Montana's career, his career, I would say was not the four, any moment in the four Super Bowls. And I think he had a drive against the Bengals, which is pretty high up there, the John Candy drive. But it has to be the throw against the Cowboys. Right. So his career – now. Listen, you and I weren't alive, so it's hard to really quantify as a sports fan, but Montana was much bigger. He's coming from Notre Dame, and Notre Dame, wouldn't you say, in the 70s and 80s, probably the equivalent of like Alabama meets Georgia combined or something, like the fame of a Notre Dame quarterback? Yeah, yeah. I mean, So his fame, now the Niners had been shitty, but they were everyone the knew who Joe... Everyone knew who Joe Montana was, and they became the Niners that moment. Now, at that time, you don't know what it's becoming, but at that time, that moment is one of the biggest moments in the history of the sport, which is, you know, and the NFL, the Mer- it's, it's a shorter-lived league, right? It hadn't been going on for 50 years like sure. today. But it's, it's hard. What's crazy about Purdy, when you think about it, is he made some really good plays in the, in the wildcard playoff game. And obviously did enough to win. It was more of a team effort in the second game. But like his season, for as great as his quote unquote rookie year was, starting the however many regular season games and then the three playoff games, is really kind of remembered for getting KO'd in the NFC Championship game. I, I would say that's the number. When you just say Brock Purdy coming into this year, that was the moment. Him just kind of holding his arm and being. I mean, mm-hmm. no one had ever seen anything like that. That that I'm not saying that's not his fault or whatever, but that kind of defined Brock Purdy. And then this year, it's weird because it was like, I, I think the expectations were like, okay, let's see. And it's like, fuck. You know, and that's where these moments, but but like I said with Montana and even Kaepernick, right? What happened with Kaepernick the, that first year he started, like the full-time starter once I got rid of Joe, or I guess Alex was technically still on the team that year because he took over and never relented, was him just running on the Packers in the playoffs. It was like, holy shit. So it was like Montana throw against the Cowboys, him against the Packers, just running faster than any human we'd ever seen. So I guess my point is, I I, I think it's going to be hard pressed for Purdy, like he's going to get highly judged in the playoffs, especially if he plays these two teams, right, the Cowboys and the Eagles, and that's where he could have a moment that's like, this guy's the full time starter for the next decade. Yeah, like obviously he's much better than Jimmy. But it's like you wouldn't, if I said, hey, bet $10,000, Brock Purdy's the starter for the 49ers for eight years, like, it'd be a pretty risky bet still, right? Yeah, he has a lot to prove. It doesn't mean... Just durability. There's a lot of question marks. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, was it, who said, I heard there was a quote yesterday, was it like Gerald McCoy? Somebody said, like, tell me when he's done it for two years and then I'll believe it, basically, about Brock. 
Um, which is actually, I think, just in a vacuum, a very fair statement to make about any quarterback. I think that should be your default about quarterbacks. It's like, let's see. Kaepernick's a great example, right? Like defenses adjust, you adjust back. Defenses adjust, you adjust back. You get more expensive, your team gets worse. Do you get better, right? Like all these types of things. But when you've played 10 games, you can only prove 10 games worth. When you've played 15 games, you can only prove whatever you can prove through 15 games. So I think for Brock, like what he's trying to prove, and I let me rephrase that. He is not trying to prove anything. What I still want to see from him before you go, I know definitively he's good enough to win you a Super Bowl. Because I think right now you can put him against any team in any game, and you can win that game. You can beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I don't know how many times do you have to play him 10 times to win five. I don't know. But um, he can win you a Super Bowl. But saying that, can he win you a Super Bowl doesn't mean can he win you a game. It means can he take you through the playoffs without making mistakes, big plays, the pressure mounts, the pressure mounts. Because it only gets well, bigger, like, it, which is why it, this it, is a great kind of test because it's a big pressure game. Well, to me, it's like the question mark now, big p- b- macro, is does he turn into a more athletic Drew Brees, right? Some version of that, yeah. right? Because he's, he's a pretty unique player. There's not like a comp, right? For like I'm watching Anthony Richardson. You're like, ah, oh, it's Cam Newton. Right, it's like Jesus. That's I know this guy could be a better version of kid. You just watch a movie, like holy. Did Carolina shit. could not draft him because of that, even though Cam won him an MVP, took him to the Super Bowl. I saw a tweet that said, "I hope everyone realizes that the Carolina Panthers essentially traded Caleb Williams and uh, DJ Moore for Bryce Young." That's essentially what the trade kind of looks like right now. Oh yeah, because because they are. I mean, they're headed toward the number one pick, but the Bears have them. So you think about it, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. And this is why I think Purdy is a great example, and he's playing Dak, who's a great example. And Dak replaced Tony Romo, who's a great example. I'm all for forcing a quarterback, right? If you could, like, hey, Team X doesn't need the quarterback, I can trade up and get Caleb Williams. Like, I, I totally understand that. You would do that with Trevor Lawrence. But I would say the rest of the guys, and even Caleb, you know, he, he is – as I was told by some people, like he's six two. I've been told he's six oh oh six, which means basically six feet and a half, which on NFL standards is short. So that's that to me would be the knock on. He's thick, physical characteristics, no question. He is shorter. He's on the shorter end. Now Steve Young is isn't that tall. Like I'm not saying that he's not Bryce. I mean Bryce is a midget for NFL. Bryce standards. is skinny. I mean, five nine one eighty five. Caleb, I guess, 215. I mean, he looks thick. But my point is, the 49ers are a good example. Forced a quarterback. It just blew up in their face. So many teams, the Bears trade up. And hell, sometimes when you force a quarterback, and I don't blame these teams for doing it, the Russell Wilson move. Like, they regret that, right? The Broncos. And Seattle, that is like, how many times do you think John and Pete go, can you believe how lucky we got making that trade? How much happened? And the Roger, Rogers trade's a good example. A no-brainer trade. He's also tradable because would the Packers trade him if he was 31? Of course not. He's 39. You're like, fuck it. Rips his Achilles. Yeah. Old players get hurt sometimes. So is it really that crazy that he's hurt? Not really, right? Again, I'm not trying to play Monday morning quarterback, but my point is that sometimes you just draft a guy. The Raiders are a good example. They got a nine nine years worth of starts out of a guy. They just drafted in the second round. Derek Carr didn't force anything. Took Khalil Mack high. Right? Jimmy Garoppolo went on to have a long career. Where'd Belichick draft him? Like 20 picks after Derek. You just, just taking it where it comes to me. 
That, I mean, how Will much, Levis can't beat out Malik Willis, so I'm not. You're not guaranteed just because you pick a guy in the second round. But my point is, Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, sometimes just let a guy fall to you. How many spots did the treat the Chiefs move up to draft Mahomes? Uh, well, they would have been in the 20s, so like, yeah. So they they went um, up. I guess they didn't tw- go up to one to draft their quarterback. They went up to the, you know, whatever he was, 12, 12. Or 13. Yeah, yeah, right. That's not letting it come to you, but it's also not. Now, they also weren't really desperate. They were desperate because they believed in the guy, not because they were failing as a team, right? They had Alex Smith. They could, if you said five more years, Alex, okay, that'd be okay. Wouldn't be great. But I would say, though, like they're a great example. They all came to the conclusion we think this guy is like can't miss. Yeah. You know, I think their conviction on him with Andy, with Veach, with John Dorsey. The multiple years of scouting. I, I I think Brett Veach, multiple live appearances. For example, the Niners, when they made their trade, blows them out of the water. It wasn't like, you know, we like these two guys. We kind of got to convince our coach. It was like, we we're fucking in love with this guy. We've been telling his agent for six months. Let's rig this thing. <laughs> I mean, it was, that's the type of love where it's like, I proposed to her after three months. I knew she was going to be my wife forever. And then 50 years later, you know, they die holding hands. It was like, you just knew love at first sight. The 49ers are a good example. They, they found, they've lucked into their two starting quarterbacks. Belichick calls Kyle out of the blue. The 49ers did not initiate that with Jimmy Garoppolo, right? That's not breaking news. Belichick just randomly calls him in the morning. They didn't even think he was available. Right. And then, and he, and he said, what? Like you got two hours, call me back. And, and this one just, I don't want to say fell in their lap because they did like him. So you get credit for liking a guy and picking him, just like the Patriots, 199, Tom Brady. But like they, there's elements of luck. Like, fuck, what if McDaniel would have taken him instead of Skylar Thompson, which I, I would imagine they had it, it probably instead of being Purdy, Skylar, it was Skylar Purdy, which might have come down to like, yeah, just stack it that way. You could argue they have all. The the best quarterbacks in 49ers history are all players that they kind of when I say lucked into in this case, it means like it, just lucky no one else drafted Joe Montana before pick 82. Steve Young was in an awful situation in Tampa. Right? Like that's not a normal way to get a quarterback, and they eventually acquire him. Jeff Garcia was in the CFL. And I had forgotten until I looked back the other day. I looked back earlier this week because Brock broke Jeff's record and he's on pace. No, he's on pace to break Jeff's single season passing record for the Niners. Jeff Garcia signs with the Niners. Steve Young gets his concussions. Garcia plays out that year, like 99 splitting some snaps with Steve Stenstrom. The Niners then draft, not one, but two quarterbacks in the next draft. And Jeff Garcia beats them both out. (laughs) They didn't want Jeff Garcia to be their quarterback. He's, at this point, what? The third best quarterback in franchise history? Kaepernick was a second rounder. Jimmy, you just illustrated. Garcia, Garcia went to four Pro Bowls back when, like, if you were a Pro Bowl, you were one of the three best, you know, quarterbacks in your conference, right? I looked one year, John, he was 63% completion, third best in the NFL. Well, it, was, it, it was much harder. It was Kurt Warner passes. was like 68, and then everybody else was like 64% or worse, you know? Yeah, you got killed. Yeah, so, but, but like... You know what the, Young? What you know the, Steve, you know Steve Young was traded for. How about, how about the Cowboys? <laughs> you mentioned Dak, but also Romo, right? For sure, Aikman was a highly drafted player. Yeah, they got Steve Young for a fourth round pick. Fourth round. Steve pick. Young, Steve Young, and Trey Lance went for the same compensation. 
So it's just like th- there's nothing wrong. I would say any element of in your life, there, there's got to be some so, luck involved. Now, once you get lucky, one thing I, I can't get over whenever I see Purdy conduct himself or kind of he, he's just very serious. And, and I think the overachievers, because I think that's where he's ultimately going to fall, even though clearly like he's talented enough to make the league. He was talented enough to dominate in a power five. He was talented enough to, uh, you know, he should have been drafted higher. I saw, was it Peter King or someone said that if you could redo the draft, that Purdy would go, I guess Purdy wasn't in Trevor Lawrence's draft, but he said Purdy would go ahead of Trevor Lawrence. They they got the drafts mixed up, but that's not true. I don't think. But if you redid a draft, like Purdy is not going, I mean, he's going in the first round. So just because of the position he plays, even with the question marks, like, is it sustainable? So I, 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 you know, it's just, it's just a wild story. But I, well, I, I think, I, I, I do think there's similarities when you watch like Drew Brees. I'll never forget uh, the offensive lineman that retired and then became their play-by-play guy, and then he like then he left that and got back into coaching. I forget, I forget his name, but he when he gave his retirement speech, he started crying over Drew Brees, like how much he inspired him, like how how serious these guys are with football. And we always talk, right, Peyton and Tom. It, honestly, it was like Peyton was first known for it. And then Tom became his equal. Not accomplishments, just pr- preparation. And then by the end of the decade, you know, the Drew Breeses. And, and I think the young guys, like I think people view Mahomes as a guy that takes football fucking very seriously. And I know he trains really hard. Clearly to play for Kyle, like that's kind of a – they were stuck with Jimmy. But I, I not that Jimmy didn't grind, but they like wanted it up a level. And I think that Purdy is that – Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year, you get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at Butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at game time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called game time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park, been there a million times, never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app, your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. 
We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Grainger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Grainger. For the ones who get it done. Like... I would imagine if you got his iPad, uh, right, like uh, how many hours a week or whatever, it's probably pretty high. Screen time. You, didn't get it, a lot of you mentioned something with uh, like a couple weeks ago, Dion has a highly uh, highly touted corner or something that they're not playing. I think like, He finally played the other day and had like seven PBUs. And I, I, I ended up, after you told me that, somehow the clip... Cormani like, McLean. Yeah, like he was asked about it, right? And, mm-hmm. and Dion... I always listen, Dion. He's a very old school dude, and I, I do. They are not. I've had scouts tell me they do not fuck around with football stuff. And one of the things Dion mentioned about him specifically was like on Thursday he gets the printout right for every guy on the team their iPad usage. And you know, one thing about Dion, this ain't he not worried about calling guys out transferring right because he specifically called this guy out like it ain't enough. People right. who don't and, understand, this is the number one corner in the class. <laughs> and was not playing on a terrible defense because Dion and the coaching staff thought clearly he's, he's an 18-year-old, probably doesn't even realize, like, bro, just let me fucking go man-to-man, right? That's what you would have said, Dion. But Dion would have said, yeah, I had your skills and better, and I studied, right? And, and this gets back to Kyle. Because I was thinking about, like, culture in football, you know, Think about the the dynasty of the Patriots, the last iteration. Just how, obviously, Tom set the tone. But then Gronk, Edelman, some of their offensive linemen, Hightower, McCourty, Slater on special teams. You can, to me, culture, obviously the coach matters and implements the scheme and everything. But it's really your tone is set from the players. Yeah. And I, I think that's what the 49ers have in spades. But you have to have, you can have the culture and the character of the guys. But if you're missing the quarterback, I don't care if you got seven Debo's and four Trent Williams, you're going to have limitations and you're going to get bounced probably when you shouldn't. And now that they have it, who fits in their mold, it's like the sky's the limit. Why did the Eagles really take off and feel even higher level than the Carson Wentz Foles? Because this guy is so fucking serious, right? He's just, even when he plays shitty, I I have so much respect for Jalen Hurts because I just know like, I bet Kyle would like him. Just not... 
I'm not saying his limitations sometimes as a player, but just how seriously he takes football. Well, you know, I thought of Jalen this week when you sent me yesterday the clip of um, Jimmy Ward on the Richard Sherman podcast saying, like, I think Jimmy Garoppolo could have played in the NFC Championship game. And I just immediately thought of the way that Jalen Hurts handled the national championship when he was at Alabama and he got benched at halftime and they brought in Tua and Tua brought him back and they won the title. Different situation. Jimmy had been going through getting marginalized by Kyle for like three years. He was over it. But did you, you know, see the that, part of the clip where Jimmy said after he said, I only want to play nickel or I want to play safety, not nickel. Kyle said no. And he said, we never talked again the rest of the year. I did not. See <laughs> they didn't speak. The clip, they no. didn't. The, him and Kyle did not speak. I saw that he said D'Amico told him, uh, wherever I go, you can come play safety for me if I get a head coaching job. But, yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for... He's got, in fairness to Jimmy, these conversations are tough, right? He's got pride. He's been a starter on a Super Bowl team. And he got he got beat out by the Niners, right? Like, they had, they, Kyle thought Jimmy they had Ward. That. Yeah. Jimmy Ward. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I go back to when he got hurt and Brock said, now is a chance for me to prove that I'm what I say I am. That's a pretty impressive way for somebody to look at a a bit of adversity. Like, I preach that I handle this stuff, so let's see if I handle it. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes athletes and teams and coaches, they get – I think one of the things that pisses them off is when people assume from the outside, like, we're putting pressure on you. I expect you to win. And from their perspective, they think, I'm the one putting in the work. You don't have a higher standard for me than I have for myself. Right. Like, I think that's what pisses pisses guys off. And you're like, yeah, if a team is losing, yeah, we're losing. But believe me, whatever you think I should be doing, I think even more highly of me. And I think that's what kind of Brock was saying when he said, let's see if I am what I say I am. Like at a time when nobody had really that high of a standard for him as a player, he had a high standard. Now the standard has raised for him and he doesn't seem to have changed his standard for himself. Like this has always been a standard. Um, A buddy of mine called me yesterday. He's like, you know. The thing about Brock as I watch him is just that nothing ever changes for him. And that's what this is like. He's going through this period now. Things change for guys who become stars, who start getting endorsement deals. Like I saw Brock did the clip like, oh, I'm sharing a room and I'm driving a, my Toyota my Toyota Tundra. It's like, well, yeah, but that's a Toyota Tundra commercial now that you're in, right? Like his life is changing around him every week. It's still early. Nothing seems to be changing. And that's where, you know, Randy Gregory got cut. And I did a video yesterday, like, maybe they'll sign him, maybe they won't. But I read a text message from somebody who was with the Broncos during camp. And he said, yeah, the problem with Randy Gregory and Sean Payton is Sean puts a lot of emphasis on effort. I'm like, oh, seems like a high bar. (laughs) So could the Niners handle Randy Gregory? Sure. I mean, he wouldn't, whatever. He wouldn't distract them. Could Chris Cassara coach him up? Yeah. Hell yeah. Does he fit in with them? No. No, he doesn't fit in with them. Yeah. This why, this is why during the scouting process, and I, I always think it's just, it, it always has irked me sometimes like when things are asked to players or things get out during the, the process before a guy's drafted and, you know, a lot of media members go, this is so unfair. Why do we care about a guy having balance? And why do we care about their family structure? Like, this is the business you're in, finding everything out about this human being. This The human is your business. And when you're going to draft a guy high, you need to know everything about him. You do, 
if the player instead, this was private equity and was an insurance company, you would dive into every element of that business, right? But there'd be no emotion. It's just an Excel spreadsheet. But everyone gets so emotional during draft time. And sometimes it's like, does it matter that Des Bryant's mom was a prostitute? Like, yeah, I mean, I understand. Like, But like those, those are questions like you're just... If you don't think in a meeting you're talking about, hey, we might draft this guy in the top 20, talking about his mom being a prostitute, like it just about his background, who's coming with him. But to quarterbacks, your family structure is so important. And I think when you look at a lot of the quarterbacks in the NFL right now, right, like how you were raised equates to how you're going to handle this. I think Steph and Clay are good examples, right? They were raised rich kids. Their kids, you know, they were NBA sons. But clearly they were raised pretty well, right? Like take things very seriously, but also have this, you know, this great balance. Mahomes, dad was in the big leagues, kind of just handles it pretty smoothly. Now, most people like Tom Brady's dad was just, you know, an upper middle class dude in San Francisco. Peyton Manning's dad was an NFL and college football legend. So it was different. But clearly both of them were just kind of built to handle it. And you see it right away. Jalen Hurts. What ha- his dad's a high school football coach. Kellen Moore never made it, but why he'll probably be a successful coach. Dad's a coach. Like, they're just wired. Like, the wiring of you is set from your youth. And then by the time you get to college, you are you have that mold and then get influenced by whoever you're playing for or whatever. But to me, Purdy is a good example. Jared Goff. That, like, clearly they were raised well. Now, part of it is, like, the genetics you have and your disposition and stuff. But, like, you kind of get that molded over time, and it either works or it doesn't. And some guys, I have a lot of respect for all these, you know, like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Can you imagine being, like, 27, 28, making $45, $50 million a year? And clearly, like, you just watch Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, they look like they're making a fucking a million dollars, right? I mean, how hard they're playing, how good they look. It's just like, it, 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 that's, listen, pro athletes have always made a lot of money. You start getting... 40, $50 million a year. Like Jamie Dimon, CEO of Chase, doesn't, you know, I mean, this is, to, to keep your focus, like, that's really impressive. I, I don't care who you are. Maybe it's the nature of football. You're getting yelled at. It's intense. That's the other thing, right? If you don't prepare, you'll get embarrassed. This isn't, yeah, it's not like hurt. James Harden could just show up, score 30, whatever. It's Baseball, a fucking Baseball, you can, you can sleepwalk through a season and whatever. If Josh Allen just, they were playing someone good, right? Let's just, this week, they're playing the Jacks. He didn't watch an ounce of film, didn't try at practice. Like, he could just throw, like, three picks and get clowned, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, he like, would. It, it would happen eventually. Yeah. He could maybe Especially get away with when it for you, a week, but... Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. You, you can't, you can't avoid it that much. It's why all these guys, like, after the fact, say, I wish I would have treated it like this. Now, Brock Purdy didn't have a choice, right? As, a, as pit, the last pick... To get in this position, he had to impress at every moment he was in the building, every moment he was at practice. But then what's great about that, when you're a quote-unquote overachiever or whatever, Tom was obviously the best version of this, you never lose that. That's what made Peyton so unique, right? Number one elite prospect who had that work ethic, desire, drive. It's like, holy shit, <laughs> right? I think people, the knock would be on Favre. It's like, God, if he would have had that, he might have won like six MVPs, right? Right? So that's what Kyle's like had wet dreams forever about finding that type player. It's who he loves. That's why I think Matt Ryan is a good example of the most accomplished quarterback he ever had because he was the most talented and he won the MVP. And now you look at this, 
you know, I think the sky's the limit because this guy checks every box. Really, the only knock is sure. Well, not a, yeah, not every box, right? No, but I'm saying like every box of into off the field stuff. Yeah. He's missing some tangible stuff, but we've seen, I, I, that's why I think Drew Brees is his comp. Weaker arm, but Purdy can move. Brees couldn't. But I, I, wouldn't you say that Brees and Purdy have a lot of similar, like it, just clearly the intangible stuff and how much the teammates respect them from every walk of life, whether you're from the SEC like Debo, whether you're a kid, whoever you are, he, everyone gravitates toward him. They're, they're In fairness, similar. I'm not the biggest Dak guy, but I, Dak does have that as well. Right? Yeah. No, I mean, they're, and they're similar, right? Like Brees played at, a, he played at freaking Purdue. Now, he got drafted in the second round. Not the seventh, Iowa State, but you know, Drew was not immediately handed an NFL job, right? He was behind a guy, then got repl- then actually was playing well, got replaced by a guy, got sent off to another team, had an injury. One team didn't want him because of the shoulder. He goes to New Orleans. Like it wasn't an easy road for him. I think I think Flutie started early on when he was in San Diego. Oh, you know, like Flutie was. Yeah, the yeah, you're right. I don't think he played a lot. Year, I need to look at the stats. I don't think he played a lot year one. Well, Kyle was asked about like, is he a product of your system? And he called it ridiculous. He's like, go watch the tape. So it's on tape. You can't do all the stuff. He's he's been out there too long. It's on tape. So well, uh, when you, you say football, and we're going to talk about this till it's going to be a conversation that's not going to leave Purdy until he like wins a Super Bowl, and even then people will be like, well, he's just a product. The team was great. <laughs> you know, this. Ultimately, like Drew Brees is a great example, I think. They built the system around him. Sean Payton, offensive coach the entire time. The ent- he was a play caller the whole time. Like, was he a product? Who cares? It Football is the one sport where it doesn't matter, right? Like, you are a product. Like, obviously, Mahomes has benefited from being around Andy. Yeah, you could argue every quarterback is, is a system quarterback to a point because they all play in a system. But why do the best coaches try to find good quarter like, better Better. Why did Andy want Patrick Mahomes instead of Alex Smith? Because so we can bail him out. Yeah, there's a limitation, and I think when you watch, we've talked about this for a while. No matter where you are in like the Brock spectrum, I think when you watch him, it's been clear for a while, especially this year, that he does more than just the stuff that Kyle tells him to do. If you go back and look, <laughs> go look at the um, the deep ball, the all twenty two, the deep ball to uh, Ayuk last week. Look at where Brock, where Ayuk is when Brock releases the ball. I mean, I think NFL quarterback. He is threw one of those open weird, guy. It's one of those weird positions. It's one of those weird things where like everybody acknowledges, man, it's one of the hardest things to do in the world. And I think we have no concept of how hard it actually is, like how hard it really is, right? Um, to do the basic stuff, let alone the hard stuff. But you mentioned Dak. I, you know, let's talk isn't, about- isn't he a product of being on a team that drafts extremely well? They always have a really good offensive line. Their defense the last couple of years, like the Niners, have been elite. If I just put Dakota Prescott right now on, pick some random kind of crappier team, right? If I put him on the Falcons, they're better. He's not Mahomes or Allen, like there's some lock. No. Lose me? He's... I did for a second, but uh, I got you back, I think. Well, a little green. You turned to green. Very light green. All the You've been hydrating today, right? You got me? You back? I, I can see you. My, I saw my little yeah. internet thing come so, up. Oh, okay. But you were just saying if you put Dak on the Falcons. I mean, look, these games are always at a big level quarterback versus quarterback. And 
you know, I'm not the biggest DAC guy either, but I was just looking at Mike Sando's DAC tier. He was 11th in this year's tier. Um, he's he's like a t he's he's at the top of tier two all the time. Or oh, I'm looking at the 22 class. Hold on, 2023 Mike Sando. Do you remember where Dak was? Feels like he would have been lower than 11. Well, yeah, he threw a lot of picks last year, but to, like I, I like this is a good example. I think this game. If I told you right now the final score is 17 15. Right, something like that. Yeah, like 20, 20, 21, 17. More than likely, whoever doesn't, what quarterback doesn't fumble the ball or throw an interception will be the difference in the game. Because turnover in a tightly contested game, usually a turnover in a tightly contested game, a turnover leading to a field goal could be the difference, right? I was listening to Edelman with Rosillo, and they were talking like about Zach Wilson last week. And everyone was kind of blowing him. And, you know, Edelman's pretty old school the way he looks at football, obviously being raised by Belichick. And he's like, you know, part of being a good player or having a good game is doing it over all 60 minutes. Right? Zach obviously had a great stretch of two and a half quarters, but awful fumble at the end. Right? Bounces off his leg. Like, that cannot happen. Turned out to be the game. They never got the ball back. And the first several series of the game, he was horrendous. So it's like, yeah, he had a good stretch in the game. But you're playing the fucking Kansas City Chiefs. You, you can't play well for 68% of it. You know, you probably got to be closer to 90%. You can have a bad series. You can go three and out. But, like, this week, Dak, they lost last year to the Niners because the fucking guy threw the ball twice to the 49ers. Happened the previous year. If he doesn't turn, if you tell me right now Dak does not throw a pick and does not fumble the ball, they're like, yeah, Cowboys could easily win this game. Right. And if you tell me Purdy does not turn the ball over, I go, the 49ers win. Because well, I would assume me, Dak's going to turn the ball over. Well, what if I tell you neither turns it over? I think the 49ers win. Yeah. That would be my perspective. It's like, Niners have to turn it over. Not have to, but I think the most likely scenario in a Dallas win is the Niners have a, a, a heartbreaking turnover. Dak ninth in the Sando list, by the way. So here's Brock going toe-to-toe, quote-unquote, with what the NFL believes is a top-10 quarterback right now. I, I do think the score matters in this game. And I, I think one key for the 49ers to beat the Cowboys, and they did this two years ago when they drove right down the field and they got a lead. Hit them fucking in the mouth. The, the Cowboys have been tested one time this year, and they just couldn't pull it off. Now, that game, their effort and their focus clearly was down. They're going to be dialed in this. But the Niners have proven twice, okay, let's get in the ring and fucking let's have a UFC fight. We're tougher than you. And if the Cowboys can get a little lead... They're the best version of what I think the Jets are trying to become <laughs> and uh, like what the Peyton Manning's teams were on defense. They just pin their ears back and they rush and you just get overwhelmed. And their corners start sitting, their pass rush, and then you'd have to keep Kittle in to block Parsons, right? Because I ain't putting Parsons, like why waste him over Trent? <laughs> I'm overloading the other side. But they can only do that in passing situations if they're up 14-3, right? If, if the Niners are up 10-3... What's Kyle going to do? He's going to fucking slam the ball down their throat. I was told when Robert Sala interviewed for the Jets job, he basically just reiterated, obviously he brought LaFleur. He's like, our philosophy will be pretty simple. This is the Shanahan philosophy. Now, it doesn't work out this way on a weekly basis, but we want to run the ball 35 times and pass the ball 25 times. And honestly, 
give or take 10 of those throws are going to be difficult for the quarterback, right? Third and longs, red zone spots. But 15 or, you know, over half of his throws in this offense are going to be considered for NFL standards easy. Now, we got to build up the defense and build the team, but that is the philosophical belief of the 49er Shanahan crew. McVay's kind of gone rogue or whatever, and, and McVay didn't work for Kyle, right? He worked for Mike. His quarterback Kyle still also. Yeah, Kyle's – but if Kyle's philosophy – if Kyle had gotten Stafford, I, I don't think his philosophy would have changed. He would have just tried to make Stafford more efficient and not get him killed, right? McVay, deep down, honestly has more parallels with Andy. Like, he likes to throw the ball, which is his prerogative. Like, I don't – he thinks like he thinks. He's a former wide receiver. Kyle's a former wide receiver. Clearly, Kyle likes the wide receivers blocking. McVay like wants a, them catching balls. I, I would say he feels like a Gruden tree, almost. Yeah. McVay. But I would say Gruden's a little conservative, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, more the Gruden's... Uh, the Gruden vibe more so than the Gruden... Yeah, uh, agreed. <laughs> so the like the philosophy coming into this game... I would guarantee what they've been hammering home. We're going to fucking slam the ball down their throat. Christian, you're used to it because we give you the ball every other play. And I would guess Debo's going to play some running back in this game too. They're going to use those two guys to fucking hit them. Which is, it's like, Jesus, this is October 8th. <laughs> it's a long season, man. But how many touches do you think those two guys get? It, McCaffrey's got 24 carries. I, yeah, I would guess... forty. How... I would guess if you factor in wide receiver screens as well, I mean, is this a 10, 10, 12 touch game for Debo? Yeah. So, it, so 40 might be high, but at probably 30, 35. I mean, because those guys punish. You're talking carries and catches for Christian, right? I'd even just, let's just even go carries because I bet Debo's got five in him because Debo's going to be the backup running back, I think. Yeah. So, probably 23, 24. Carries between the twenty five carries between the two of them. If you tell me they get a lead, I, I could see. I could think it'd be thirty. Yeah, yeah. There won't be no ten point lead uh, carries to Jordan Mason. Do you, do you agree? Debo's no, the backup running back probably in this game. Yeah. Yep. No Jordan. Not a lot of Jordan Mason or if Elijah Mitchell plays. You know the one thing that a lot of people have talked about this week is that Dallas has been bad scoring touchdowns in the red zone. I think they're they're fourth worst in the league. I got it right here. In red zone per- touchdown percentage, they're thirty three percent of their red zone trips are touchdowns. The Niners are near the top of the league, sixty seven percent of their red zone well, they trips went, are touchdowns. I think they went one and five against Arizona, so that could not have helped them out. <laughs> yeah, they were bad. Now they were different that game, right? They were down two uh, two star. They were down three star offensive linemen. They got two of them back. Um, but it does make me wonder: Is this the first pressure Jake Moody game? Now, I don't think it's a field. I think the Niners, if they don't turn it over, are a seven or, or they cover the spread. It's a seven to eight to nine to ten point win. But I one thing I've been wondering is the Niners have been really good scoring touchdowns in the red zone. They've been better since Brock took over. Maybe they'll just keep that up. But we haven't had that yet, and we've kind of forgotten about it. And I do wonder if that comes back on Sunday night. Pressure Jake Moody kick. Not to get off on a tangent, but didn't you draft this guy to just aim it at the fucking goalposts and hit it out of the end zone? In what world is Hightower 2.0, Brian Schneider, trying to kick to the corner? Just I kn- kick the ball straight. 
I need a special what, what teams are they expert doing? to explain. Kyle said on the one this week he had a bad angle. It was a, it was an angled kick, but that he also had a bad angle, which I don't quite understand. I need someone to explain to me how he had a bad angle. Wasn't part of the moody package that he could just boom it through the end zone? What 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 angle do you need? Like when Bryson DeChambeau is hitting it 375 yards, do you know what he does? Hits it wherever he wants to hit it. Tree, whatever. Isn't part of having Moody just bang it through the end zone? This this we're not uh, playing in like frigid if, wind here. It'd be like if Bryson DeChambeau had a different coach for every club. There'd be some guy who like is in charge of his four iron. Who's like, I'll tell you, Bryson, the four irons, I've, the four irons, the play here. Special teams guys just spend a lot of time cooking up schemes, cooking we're up like crazy ideas. Yeah, it's like, why don't we hit this shot? I don't know, just hit your normal shot. Well, that's just hit your I, normal I, kick. As someone who didn't grow up with golf, and you did, like when we would play, I know I've asked you this question many times. You'd be like, oh, I'm going to play this left to right or this right to left. And it always confused me. Like, why don't people just hit it straight? No, I want to cut it. Now, of course, I understand it now. But for a long time, it really confused me. Why don't you just hit the ball? Oh, he's playing his baby fade. Well, how about just hit it straight? In this case, there really is, you know, the – the, you know the worst case scenario if you hit it straight, which is they get the ball at the, you know, they, they just start without a return. Sometimes maybe you're trying to get a return out of them, I guess is what they're messing with. Would they try that in the Super Bowl? Are they going to try that Sunday night? Listen, Are they going to try that Sunday night? I, I think one of Kyle's, maybe Kyle's kids has a burner account and was like firing into my me, uh, mentions during the last game. It's like, guys, if this is your son, I'm not talking shit. I love your dad. I think he's just a... I, what, what I, I was tweeted the something like how it was after like the seventh potential pick six by McCorkle. I was like, God, we got the, Kyle got so lucky, avoided disaster or something. You know, one of those like, yeah. shut the fuck up. It was like, oh, my God, I could. T- I just then I looked at the fall or he got no fall. I was like, this is a burner account. But regardless, and I don't blame him. If I was his son, I'd probably be. And I don't even know. Maybe cousin. Who knows? Could be Kyle himself. But I because I, I do have think three burner down, accounts. D- deep down, do you? No, but I have you ever done one. No, I really want to have one though, <laughs> badly. That uh, I don't even know what I was going to say, but oh, uh, I know what I was going to say. I would say Kyle's biggest flaw at this point. It's just how I, I just don't think he knows, cares, gives a shit about special teams. So this guy. Gets to knows that he's like, yeah, I'll cook something up. Now, if it fails, maybe gets yelled at by Kyle over the headset. But during the week, if you told me that they, because Kyle always says, you know, we go over with the defensive coordinator, maybe he goes over the special teams. But that to me feels like the special teams coach in his office while he's like texting his son, what's for dinner? You know, like when Wilkes walks in, I bet he's got some notes for him. He's like, hey, I saw this. I saw this. <laughs> no chance. Kyle's like, hey, I noticed the the left up back on the punt. Like, no chance. Doesn't give a shit. The left so my point is, my, my point is, if you're not going to give a shit, don't blame him. It's really boring. I, I, I wouldn't either. Andy Reid doesn't really care. Has arguably one of the best special teams, Dave Tobe, for like 20-plus years. Cameron Worrell, you remember, used to bang the table like, he should be a head coach because he was the Bears guys all those years with Devin Hester. He's elite, so Andy just leaves him alone, figures it out, but trust him. I, I don't think Kyle's special teams coordinators really just invoke huge trust. Like, yeah, this guy's elite at his job. 
Like this guy's the next John Harbaugh, gonna be a head coach, special teams coordinator. That's I don't know, John. I saw I saw this from PFF. It says the Niner quietly quietly having a strong year this year. This is Jeff Dini from Pro Football Focus. Mitch Wishnowski, second in PFF's grading, eight of eleven punts inside the twenty. The punt coverage unit has returned just sixteen return yards in four games. But that's a good example. That has nothing. Let me repeat, nothing to do with the coordinator. That's just Mitch is an elite Ozzy 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 punter. He would do that if if Haberman was coaching him. Do you agree with that statement? Like his I, that I, stat you know and like how I talented think, he is has nothing to do. I don't know. I mean, I do think coverage. They were bad at coverage. It feels like they've gotten better at coverage as a team, doesn't it? But 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 Tackling. is it like the the thing with Mitch? He is elite at pinning you. That is yeah. a skill that, and maybe he emphasizes it more in practice or whatever. But like you can either do it or you can't. Yeah, but it does feel like we've kind of gone back and forth over the years. Like, is Mitch really good or just good enough? And it seems like this year he's... Well, he does not have, like, Ray Guy, Shane Leckler leg, right? I don't view him as a guy who just has the biggest leg in the league. But he is elite because he's Australian, correct? He's an uh, international player. Yeah, Mitch is, Mitch, like is, that. Yeah, Mitch is Australian. Because yeah. I remember so, he got a penalty like, at Utah one time for a spike. And, and after the game, the coach was like, Kyle Whittingham was like, well, he... Grew up playing rugby. He doesn't know. He didn't know you weren't allowed to do that. I think the Aussie guys are elite at the overend corner kick. That's just their talent. If they don't have, you know, obviously they have a big leg too. Like Victor Hovland came to, made the PGA Tour, couldn't chip. Got a chipping coach and became an awesome chipper. Like that's like, yeah, that guy taught him how to chip. I don't view, you know, this Mitch he didn't know the overend. No, he's been doing it since he was like four and you know, the, the shores of Australia. I feel like uh, Utah always has international special teamers. Yeah, I don't... I don't even know if they look at America for punters. Punt... Uh, uh, it's, they feel kick, like St. Mary's of football for kickers. Or something. There's like a, yeah. a group that like sends kickers. It's called like Kick Australia. There's some group that like gets these guys and packages them and then drops them off when they're the ripe old age of like 27 in the United States to become college. Well, wasn't the big thing is like, how does St. Mary's get all these dudes from down under? It's like, well, all their games get broadcast once they got one guy. Is that like you, if you just went on a Saturday in Australia, it's Utah games everywhere. They also have like, yeah, pro- <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Uh, the very, uh, oh, here we go. Uh, oh, X-Men thumbnail. Do you happen to catch the thumbnail on the YouTube today? Well, no, I didn't see it. Oh, you should check it out. Um, somebody said, uh, this is Meech said, please don't talk about Trey giving secrets to the Cowboys about the Niners. It's been beat to death this week. Did you see Kyle's answer? No, he was asked go. about Kyle, it. Kyle asked, can, what can Trey help the uh, Cowboys? I think it might've been Grant that asked the question. Can Trey Lance realistically reveal to the Cowboys about your offense? Um, I mean, as much as most coaches can, I mean, you can see the plays on tape, you can explain what we look at and stuff like that, which usually you can when you can stack up a lot of tape over years and we've been here for a while and previous. So um, hopefully he's talking to them all the time and making them focus totally on that instead of the simple stuff of watching the tape. Kyle, not worried. Grant, In other words, go. watch the tape. You're wrong. Grant, you're wrong. I mean, this, the holding on to Trey Lance thing. I, he, I think it's possible that that was in Jerry's mind. I thought, you know, when Jerry said today, like, we got to go through them, I do wonder if part of the trade in Jerry's mind was like, we need every advantage we can get. So, anyway. I mean, 
it's pretty, and I get it. I mean, it was. I think Jerry looked at it like we talked about, like a stock trade. They trade a fourth round pick for a guy that gets a lather before everyone's out on the field on game days. That's whose contract is also running out, right? After this year, he's only newsflash: the Cowboys are not picking up his fifth year option, right? <laughs> if he never plays a snap for him, so that's. Now, there's two ways to look at it. Ultimately, a fourth-round pick, if the Cowboys go, we're going to pick 26 in every round. Who cares? Which I have somewhat agreement, but it's somewhat of a throwaway pick if, the, if you're just going to have him be your backup for a couple years and he just leaves. Now, I think the 49ers will say, you always got to have contingency plans. why we got three quarterbacks. Yeah. All right, John. Story. Has a story oh. ever been as just polarizing, viral, and just anger slash unknown slash everyone kind of has an opinion to just ending like that one. Poof. Just over. Adios. Like within a week, they beat the Steelers and no one's even talking about it. I still don't understand all those people, and there were a lot on the interweb that were talking shit about it not being a quarterback competition, and Purdy should not just be handed the starter, and Purdy's yeah. not that good. What do they say to their wife, their girlfriend, their friends for the last month? What are they saying? Do they just, God, this fucking guy's awesome. Love him. Got to take an L on that one. You win Purdy some, you lose not, some. I don't think you even bring it up. I think you just I, I don't think. Purdy. I don't think they're bringing it up at all. It's like it never happened. Well, or, or you do the like, yeah, he's playing well now, but I, I just generally, I still think it's wrong to not have competitions. I just want to, they got lucky this time that it didn't burn them. Maybe that's what you say. Yeah. They got away with this one. I don't know. Uh, or, or even some of that, like, and listen, I, I like Lowell Cone, but I saw like, it's time for Kyle to answer to this. Or, you know, there was some of that floating around on the interweb. Well, yeah. Where's the accountability? <laughs> Where's the accountability? I don't know. His fourth extension of him fucking resurrecting one of the biggest franchises in all of sports, kicking the shit out of everybody. I, I just I want these people to apologize or just disappear because that conversation, I honestly think in all of our years talking sports is the dumbest conversation, the dumbest we've ever had. I about a player like it was I, Kaepernick. Could he play or not? It was it, that was holding dumb. on to what he had done. I totally it, there was like football substance behind it. This guy had never played. And when he did, it was not pretty. And people were like, this guy, who gives a fuck? When, I love when every player is kind of treated like a widget in the league. I love people telling me that his inability to make layups consistently in practice was no different than some of the mistakes that Brock Purdy was making in practice. I think I think what some of those people are saying is just wait and see. Trey's going to prove you wrong. I think there's some of those people out there. I think they exist. I would, s- but as I like to say, eight million people, eight billion people on the earth, everybody exists. They definitely exist. I, I do think his career is going to get extended because of the third quarterback thing. If it if it was 15 years ago, I would say he'd be if he you know it'd be hard to stay in the league. Because you're not going to get a chance to play. You're not guaranteed to win backup jobs. Yeah. It, it could just snowball on you. But the third quarterback. Good guy. Yeah. It, I think it's easy to stay, stay That's around. That's a big deal. But Good it, guy. I don't want to spend too much time, but it is, you know, he's going to be on the sideline, which I would imagine Sunday Night Football is going to show him. Yeah. 
he might never. I mean, I mean, there's a chance we look in like five years. He's never started a game. He's never going to play. Maybe there's always a situation like shitty teams, but it's there's no guarantee that he's like starting NFL games ever, even on the bottom feeders. Because look at the bottom. Chase Daniel they played they 13, draft quarterbacks. Thirteen years in the NFL. Do you know how many games he started in the NFL? Chase Daniel. Probably under ten. Five. Undrafted free agent though. Yeah, but what does that matter now? He's on a yeah, different like, team. So where he was drafted, once you get traded, where you got drafted, it's irrelevant. I, I I think he gets to hold that for a couple years and like a GM or a personnel director, like I had a high grade on him. But that he's 18 months away from that kind of rendering. I do think when you're drafted that high, fair or not, and this is the Jeff Schwartz thing, like it's kind of bullshit, the opportunities I get, he gets more opportunities. Without if question. he was a fifth-round pick, he would not, right? You get more opportunities from your own team, and you get more opportunities as a as a free agent. Where you are correct, though, is like, if he never plays for the Cowboys, and just in two years, right, his contract ends, and he just hits the open market, and he just gets the minimum or whatever to go play somewhere. His equity, with it, like, there's no, they're not incentivized. The Cowboys do have, they're the last team that's going to have some incentive they're clearly probably putting some effort in, right? Jerry's telling Scott Tolzien, like, hey, Scott, you want to be the next Kellen Moore here? Work that kid out. Tell me what you think. How often do Jerry and Steven go, like, how's Trey looking? Yeah, because they want to know after they fire McCarthy, is the next coach going to like him? Over under times, Jerry or Steven has asked Scott Tolzien, how's he looking? Once a week. week. (laughs) Could argue more. Maybe more. Right. And in fairness to them, I would say that I would ask the same thing. Yeah. Because they're going, we just got a guy that this team, who's beaten our ass, traded all these picks for, for nothing. That's what Jerry's thinking. We got him for nothing. I think Jerry thinks they're getting some intel this week. I, I, here's what I would say. He is able to just give some well-thought-out this is what exactly they look for on this that, you know, Kyle's right. A coach can decipher it, especially Dan Quinn, who, you know, because part of it would be for the defensive coordinator, right? If you're the quarterback, tell them what they More look valuable for. to the defensive coordinator. Well, Dan Quinn's right. like, yeah, I've been playing like Dan Kyle already forever, knows. Right? He works for me. <laughs> yeah, like Dan already. Now, if it was like, all right, trick play for the Cowboys, if they put that in six weeks ago. I'll give Seven, I'll give you one thing ago. that I bet no one's really talked about. Trey wasn't running with the ones that long in his 49er career. Could give some scouting reports and help out with some of the tendencies on the defenders. Like what? I don't know. I'm just saying. Fred like Warner just wants to pick six? <laughs> no, I, I'm just oh, saying. Ambry, you know, strength oh, go. Hey, Dan, go at 20. <laughs> yeah. Watch the blindside pass rush. I didn't say it was gonna. It's gonna add like a different scouting reports that they already had. Like, yeah, guys, we've played them several times. Uh, any other? Any other? Uh, any other takes for the weekend? Who do you think? Yeah, give me some. If they were both on the free agent market, would be more valued, Kyle or McVay? Kyle. Can't believe I said. It. I didn't even think. I just spit it out. I think if I were an owner, one of my concerns would be 
is Sean going to retire on me after two years? I right. Like if you were doing a real interview, it would be a big part of the interview would be Sean. You took several months to decide whether or not to continue coaching. You're young. How long do you think you're going to coach? I have no question. If I give Kyle a hundred million dollars and full power of my entire organization, he starts drafting guys and changing schemes. He's going to be here as long as I let him stay. Sean, I don't know. Now, maybe Sean's all in again, and we're never going to talk about it until he's 80. But I think that'd be the first question for Sean. Sean, how much longer are you coaching? Yeah, also, Sean, why are you, you always about zone celebrating? <laughs> Sean, you talked about spending time with your children that you did not have. Kyle, Kyle has told everyone that's ever lived, football is his life and only thing that... You know, beside his family, he yeah. loves nothing more. He's got no hobbies. Dad, create a burner and start tweeting at Middlecoff. <laughs> Who would you take? So, yeah. What do you think? What would your answer be? I, that's I, I do think that oh, like, I got a lot of respect from a coaching standpoint. That you know, I, you could justify that they're equals, right? And I'm not even talking like wins, losses, Super Bowl, whatever. Just in terms of like on a weekly basis that they're elite. I do think if I'm an owner, that Sean, you people. The more and more like Apple and Netflix get into this, they're going to have a lot of money, and you're clearly going to be a top candidate every time. And you've admitted as such. Kyle would never. I mean, Kyle's a football addict. To me, Kyle is a skinnier version of like Andy, Pete, Bill. I, I and I, listen. I think Sean is a football addict too, but I, I think that the L. I, I just he's clearly seen some other stuff. He he like kicks it with Jay Glazer like. Kyle ain't kicking it with anybody like that. He just goes with his family and football. Family football. That's kind of Andy Bell. Like, those guys have no life. Sean does kind of have a life. Like, likes enjoying life. And I don't blame him. I, I actually, Sean probably, in a weird way, be a cooler hang than, than Kyle, unless Kyle really knew you. But I, I do think that factors in. Because you're right. Part of it is, when I get Andy Reid, here's the keys. Fucking take me to the top. If we burn out, I, I feel good about this. Right? Pete. Sean, in like three years, could like Sean be, listen, he calls Thursday night. They, they've hired Tariko to go with him, and he hosts The Bachelor. You know, he makes $37 million a year doing that. Like, it, that, if I told you that, it was, if I said, hey, is that inconceivable? You, no chance that's inconceivable, right? Over under six minutes of The Golden Bachelor you've watched. Uh, zero. <laughs> I didn't think the talent... I think I could have been a better, like, gathered the talent for them because it's there. So you've seen some of it. Well, I've seen the I've seen the pro, the promos. Okay, I gave it more than six minutes, but less than fifteen. Good, it was, uh, quite a scene. No, I had to bail. It was too too uncomfortable. Now, I obviously people have sex on the regular Bachelor and Bachelorettes. How? What's the age? Do they give the ages of He's the He's 72, and a lot of Just, the women are in that range. He looks really good. A lot of the women I would. I range. thought he was like 56. I know. 72? Yeah. Okay, I, in the 50s range? I think the I young, like, no, I think the, the youngest... I don't know for sure. I don't have the stats. I didn't watch it all. What I saw, it felt like the youngest person, maybe there was a 58, but the rest, you know, early 60s. Oh, when yeah. I was thinking late 50s, even early 60s, I was thinking like 
sex on the first night with like three people. Like it was just what, what's anyone waiting for? Right? <laughs> you know, once you get oh, to that that's age, right. we have no you're time doing left. That. I got you. Yeah, there's that's just the no because even you know with like the 28 year old. Even if she's willing on like the third hangout, she's playing it cool the first night, you know, playing a little hard to get, you know, setting it up. The, the, the golden bachelor is like, well, what a rip. Silver yeah. Fox. Just. It's just <laughs> onside kicks and Hail Marys. Just trying to win the How, game at all costs. I, uh, before we were moving, I, I couldn't sleep and we were up late packing shit. And I turned on the TV at like midnight a couple nights ago and the replacements was on. Mm. And it was like Keanu Reeves throwing touchdowns. Gene Hackman's the coach. And Madden and Summerall are calling the game. And Madden's doing this thing, like circling players. It was kind of funny. And I was thinking, like, Sean McVay, it's kind of crazy he hasn't, but he's a lock to be in some movies. There hasn't been a football movie in a while. To me, the next football movie, like, I, I just feel like he's in L.A., Hollywood. Like, it's... Now, part of it, movies don't, the writer strike, don't get as made like they used to. It was much easier for those. To, there was just always those movies when we were young, just constant, you know? So if you were the famous, John Madden and the Dan Patricks, I mean, these guys have been in a million movies because they were, they just don't happen anymore. Yeah. But if, if, if it does Sandler happen. Sandler movie, with, you know, he needs to get, McVay needs to just be like boys with Will Ferrell and just get in the movie not as Sean McVay, right? Like every exactly, college like, movie is like, oh, here, here's coach. And then it's like, coach, you know, there's Saban, right? Yeah. But he's a pro coach. Yeah. If, we, you know what? I, uh, what's it, that show on HBO is not on the air anymore. He would have definitely been in that. Uh, ballers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Ballers. Entourage. Entourage. I was thinking Entourage, but Ballers too. He would have been in both those shows yeah. for sure. Yeah. I, I, you know, you just kind of miss some of these. I was thinking, uh, well, oh, it's Happy Gilmore when they go to Vern. <laughs> you know, just those and movies happen more often. That they don't happen as much anymore. Yeah, less inventory, guy. Less inventory. He should be. I mean, he he gets the prime deal. He'll be on a made for prime Jack Ryan episode or something. Do you think that Mahomes? You know, like when a quarterback. Who did I hear talking about this? Oh, it was. Uh, it was Mac Brown talking about Drake May. He's like, you know, the thing I love about him, obviously he's financially, you know, things are coming his way constantly. And sometimes I'll just look out on the field and he'll be doing like some photo shoot, right, for whoever to get some NIL. And he's like, he's never alone. One day he's like, the other day I looked out and he's, he's got 10 offensive linemen out there with him. You know, doing the classic like Brady. Mahomes now, it's like Andy's going sharpie on people's faces. Give me them nuggies. Like Andy's fucking piggybacking this. He's making a little side again with the tater tots. <laughs> Andy's been in it. Yeah. You know, one of coach. One well, of my D question, though, is did they reach out? Do you think Mahomes like get Andy some love? Because Andy ain't like begging. No, for I think it. they Clearly reach someone out. Reach out. I think people reach, realize like this Andy guy's funny. Like people enjoy him on the Internet. Like he resonates with people. He's easy to like. Let's get him in a commercial. The give me some nuggies is a good line. So good. <laughs> oh, so funny. And the other one where he threw the Sharpie was also a good one. That was Deion good. Sanders had a has a lot of commercials. One of them, I think maybe it's the almond commercial he's got, but there's two two guys like come diving in. It's two walk-on football players he put in the commercial. He didn't put Shadur in it. He didn't he put two walk-ons in the commercial. That's that's a pretty sweet move by a coach, right? Like, give me Charlie Offerdahl, who the last time he scored, I think, was in the spring game. Last time he touched the ball was in the spring game, right? Give me that guy and put him in the commercial. Kind of genius.
I you saw, don't even know. Like who, you don't. They're not in uniform. They're just in the commercial. Who's the Who's the white safety who starts for him? Trevor Woods. I, I saw a sit down interview. John asked, "Who's the white it. safety?" And I knew exactly <laughs> who he was talking about. <laughs> well, because he's one of the rare holdovers from the team, right? Yeah, he is. And, and I saw this like sit down interview popped up on YouTube. You know, and Dion's like, you know, I said I was bringing the Louis. All these guys could leave. I didn't realize I was inherit, inheriting Louis. I, I think you know, if you just follow Dion on social, it just feels like he's just talking about like Shador, Shiloh, and Travis. But I think. I bet if you follow the program closely, he's really good at talking about other guys. I, I, I do think there's a psychological, like, kind of Steve Kerr element of, like, doing shit like that and talking. Because if you just loosely follow him, it's like, God, he's just jerking off Travis Hunter constantly. I don't think it's quite like that. No, it's not. Good game for them, Sneaky, by the way, this week. Well, it's a must win if they're going to be a bowl, a bowl yeah, game, right? Yeah, they got to win this game. And, like, then everything then everything kind of levels out because first half last week, it was like, oh, these guys, it's over for Colorado. They lose the game by a score. You beat ASU, it's like, okay, you're in the middle. You're not at the bottom. You're in the middle of the league, and you're kind of in the middle of college football. And um, you're in pretty good shape. So They'd be the biggest 6-6 six and six slash 7-5 and five bowl draw in the history of bowl draws. <laughs> I know it would any Fiesta would be like, can we take Can we trade yeah. you Fresno State? <laughs> How about Colorado? Would Fresno Fiesta State? would Fiesta trade Colorado for Fresno State? I don't know. I got a buddy at the Fiesta Bowl who said I got he's got me tickets if the dogs are there. So I'll let's go. Yeah, you're in. But uh, the dog. I mean, it's January one. Do the Raiders play that day? <laughs> Mark. Oh, 31st. Clip I, 31st. Do you know the clip I saw of him getting screamed at? I didn't see. I saw another clip of like him like kind of yelling back at the guy. Oh, really? Kind of going. Did you see the Evan Neal talking shit about all the fans, calling them burger flippers? So I didn't see his clip. I saw Get Up talking about it for way too long this morning. But I didn't actually see the clip. I just saw them talking about it. I didn't see the clip either. I just saw the headline, and he said, you know, I think when they were getting booed mercifully uh, the other night, right, just getting destroyed, and he's – I mean, Daniel Jones got sacked 10 times, so I don't know his exact number. He had to be, uh, you know, give up a couple, maybe a lot, and he started booing back. And then I think either after the game or maybe a couple days later when the – it might have been on Wednesday, open locker room, you know, I, maybe he was asked about booing back and said – Kind of just shit on the fans, called them all. Who are, you know, a, a lion doesn't worry about the sheep. Who are these fucking people, burger flippers? And he's come out and, like, clearly, I bet Brian Dayball's like, bro, you need to walk that one. This ain't going to fly in New York. Say you're sorry. Say you're not burger flippers. I respect hardworking people that are paying a lot of money. But <laughs> I was just, you know, something I, I, I love. The, the reaction is so over the top. Always. You have to appreciate just a good, like, yeah, I'd probably want that one back. You realize, like, I shouldn't have said that. But in the heat of the moment, you're just fucking pissed. You're 25 years old. Your your season's just going to shit. I mean, just, I mean, they are a disaster. And you just make it 10 times worse. I saw someone like uh, Don LaGreca, you know, like Michael oh, K's yeah. partner. I just saw my well, timeline. Like, hot garbage, epic fucking piece of shit. <laughs> I was like, oh, you I can't goddamn wait. loser! When I see Epic Rant in New York radio, that's an immediate click for me. Or Mad Dog. You think you're click. better than us just because... But that guy. That yeah, guy that specifically. Guy. 
All right. Uh, anything else? Everything you everything you think it would be, it is and more. I can't wait to listen to it. Uh, all right. We'll see you guys on Sunday. Let's uh, the Niners acquired uh, Mike Evans before then or something. Forty million everyone's forty million dollars in cap space. Let's make some moves. Well, you're undefeated, number one in the power rankings, playing the Cowboys at home on Sunday night. It might be okay. Caleb, it's one of the only teams he'll go to. Caleb's like, I want the Bills, the Chiefs, the Niners. It's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> Back at us whoever gets the well, Whoever gets the number one pick, would I, I'll end on this. He's going to refuse. I, you can see it coming from a mile away. He's like, I only want to go to these four teams. I've got quarterbacks. They're all like drafting 28th to 32nd. It's like, oh, yeah, the team with the number one pick. Oh, we'll totally get your demands. Hey, Kyle or Andy, you don't even need them, but trade us your three number ones. We'll just go from one to 33. Like, cool. Good luck with that. that that's going to be, watch how that thing unfolds. Take a year off and be in the movies or something. But then how, you do understand, you know, the clock's ticking. The teams, he, you're not going to the Bills. You're not going to the Chiefs. Who were the Bills before Josh Allen got there? I mean, they were a legitimate franchise, but in terms of like a championship contender, been a while since they'd been a real championship contender, right? Yeah, but but even if he wanted to go to the 49ers, which I would imagine is going to come up, and Kyle was willing, like, yeah, I'll take him over Purdy, that, that team in a million years would never, like, yeah, we get it. You don't want to play for us. We're never trading with the fucking pick 30. <laughs> Fuck you. Hey, uh, before we go, I, that was a good note to end on, actually. But I do want to mention, because a lot of getting a lot of comments, if you have other ideas for thumbnails of a bald person and a person with hair, let me know. And we'll do thumbnails. Today's is different for if you want to go look at the YouTube thumbnails. They look good. They look good. I, I look. So if you, anyone's got more ideas, let me know. Um, yeah, there we go. All right. And you, you can catch Guy next year at the uh, season ticket holder, right, Chase? Uh, the Lakeups WNBA team he just bought. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe I'll do some games for him, John. <laughs> Pac-12 Network, you know. <laughs> Use the work. All right, later, everybody. <laughs> later, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.